0: We have two scripture lessons this morning. Our Old Testament lesson comes from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Before I read that, please join with me in prayer. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open your word and illumine our darkened world that we may see clearly and live faithfully by the light of your truth in Jesus Christ. Amen. From Mount Hor, they set out by way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up? Out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel lesson, as Mary reminded us this morning, comes from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done by God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. During this season of Lent, we've chosen the theme, Journey to Jerusalem, as both a spiritual reflection point and a tangible goal for ourselves. In case you're not 100% certain what it means when we talk about the season of Lent, it's the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, not including Sundays. This is a season where we are reminded... Of our humanity, and are encouraged to focus on our need for God. It's 40 days for many reasons, but one main connection is to the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness before he began his ministry and ultimately his final journey to Jerusalem. To help us grow spiritually during this season and remind ourselves of our physical humanity, We've been taking part in a tangible practice of journeying together to Jerusalem. I mentioned it during the announcements just a few minutes ago. Each week, we're being asked to keep record of the physical miles that we walk, ride, or exercise. And additionally, to tally the miles for 20 minutes of different spiritual practices in which we take part. So, kudos to you for attending worship in person or virtually. You're racking up the miles for us in our journey to Jerusalem. The hope is that by doing this, we will use these 40 days to reflect and connect more deeply with our faith. And that corporately, we will track enough miles to journey from Tallahassee to Jerusalem. If you haven't been participating, it's not too late and it's pretty simple. You can find a guide on our website or out in the lobby and submit your wiles to Miss Mary each week. Currently, we have about 3,000 miles, and so I'm begging you not to leave us stranded over the ocean because we're only about halfway to Jerusalem, but we still have a few, few weeks left to take part in this practice. So let's journey to Jerusalem together. Our Old Testament scripture lesson this morning reminds us that before we, as faith Presbyterian, made our journey to Jerusalem, and before Jesus made that final trek into Jerusalem, the children of God made a long journey out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And what a journey it was. Our lesson finds the children of God almost there, so close to the end of the journey. They finally made it through the wilderness and now have hit a more populous area of the region. The reference to Mount Hor at the beginning of our passage is an important one because it's a turning point in their journey for two reasons. First, Mount Hor is where Aaron was stripped of his leadership role And the mantle was passed to Eliezer. You see, Aaron had tried to take matters into his own hands instead of following God's guidance. And therefore wasn't going to get to finish the journey to Jerusalem with the children of God. Second, Mount Hor is a turning point because of where it is geographically located. Mount Hor is located on the edge of the kingdom of Edom. Coming from Egypt, the people have traveled through the wilderness. They've traveled through Kadesh and have reached Mount Hor. From here, they have a straight shot to the promised land if they pass through Edom. The only problem is the king and his army have made it very clear that none shall pass. They are being cut off. And so, when it seems like they are in the final home stretch, they have to detour and take the long way around Edom. Throughout this journey, these folks have been notorious complainers. They're tired. They're hungry. They want to go back to Egypt where at least they had beds and food. Usually, their complaining is directed at Moses and Aaron. But this time, it seems like knowing that they're in the home stretched has ramped up their ungratefulness. Not only do they complain against Moses, but they complain against God. They say again that familiar refrain, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? almost as if they've forgotten the horrid conditions of their slavery in Egypt. But they don't stop there. It's not that they're hungry, but they detest this miserable food. Or more literally, they say they detest this bread of emptiness. You may remember that when they were wandering in the wilderness... God provided for their needs with manna. They take a shot at God, saying that what God has provided, well, it isn't good enough. As they understand it, the result of their complaint against God is the arrival of poisonous serpents. A few bites, though, and they're repentant asking Moses to intercede. Please, God, take away the snakes. God, though, doesn't wipe out the snakes, but instead offers healing. Moses is instructed to create a bronze snake, and all who are bitten and look at it will live. God doesn't take away the threat, but instead uses part of the problem to provide a solution. Much like how in our science, sometimes part of a virus is used to help provide a vaccine. God is taking part of their lives that feels like a threat and using it to offer healing. If they will look up, if they will trust God, if they will shift their focus, then healing will come. If I'm honest, I can't help but feel a bit like the children of God these days. I kind of get their complaining. A year ago, my world was turned upside down perhaps you feel the same way for many of us we entered this week last year planning to go on spring break take a nice sabbath maybe soak up some sun and return to our regular routine a year ago we entered this pandemic and we thought, okay, we'll shut down for two weeks, maybe a month, and then we'll get to go back to normal. Except normal didn't come back. And I find myself wanting to complain to God. Can't we just go back? Can't we return to hugging one another and physically passing the peace during worship? Can't we return to church dinners and a full sanctuary? All the while, forgetting the danger and the significant harm that has come from the COVID-19 virus. And I'm realizing a year in that I think we too are at that turning point. We can sense that we are in the home stretch. When I listen to the news and hear reports of a COVID vaccine that will be accessible to all who want it by the end of May, I feel that home stretch coming. But we can also sense the weariness of being a year into this pandemic. Faith Presbyterian, we are at a turning point. What we are doing as a community of faith, what we had been engaging in, was not bad. But we may be in a place now where we're feeling so weary and overwhelmed that it's time for us to look and to see where the threats are that God wants to co opt and bring new life. For us. Have you ever heard of a little town called Wunziedel, Germany? It's not really a tourist destination, but it is a little bit famous because Hitler's deputy, Rudolf Hess, is buried in their town square. As a result, Wunziedel has become a place of pilgrimage for neo-Nazis. For over a decade, these white supremacists have made a pilgrimage, much to the dismay of the residents there, and every year they've paraded through town. Finally, in 2014, the residents decided to try something new. Instead of closing up their shops and blocking off the roads, they decided to welcome the marchers. They painted a starting line where they would normally enter the town. And where they would go out of town, they painted a finish line. And they created and publicized what was called an involuntary walk thon which was a fundraiser for Exit Deutschland, an organization devoted to helping people escape extremist groups, including neo-Nazi ones. And so with every step those marchers took, they raised money for folks to escape extremism. The locals cheered and held signs that said, thank you for your donations. And as the news covered and as word spread, they raised over 10,000 euros that day in an act of good humor that co-opted what had once felt like a threat and turned it into something that would offer healing. I don't know that we or are ever going to get back to the way it was. Complain as much as they did, the Israelites couldn't go back to Egypt, and we will never live in a pre-COVID world again. But we can take our cue from the Israelites when in the midst of their exhaustion and despair, they were instructed to look up. Instead of longing for the past and the way things used to be, I wonder if we can take a moment in this season of Lent, a year into this pandemic, a few weeks still from easter to look up even though there is so much around us that may still make us feel weary to look up and focus on god to put our trust in what god is offering instead of focusing on how exhausted we are or ...on all that we've lost. I wonder if we can co-opt the things that might feel like a threat for us. And with God's help, turn them into things that offer new life. Church members have received a few emails over the past month... ...that speak about an anti-racism initiative. Now, more than ever our world feels polarized. We're battling isolation from a pandemic and division simultaneously. And discussing racism when we're barely seeing one another in person because of a COVID-19 pandemic can certainly feel like a threat. But I believe the God of love is calling us to look up to not let this be labeled as political, but rather to look at this as an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation about how we as children of God can embody that love and come together even as we still experience some social distancing. Our gospel lesson this morning is such a familiar one. As Mary mentioned, if you grew up in church, it's probably one of the first verses you memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But our passage this morning didn't start with verse 16, but rather verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The serpent was lifted up for healing. The serpent was lifted up to remind the children of God that even when there was so much trouble around them, God was still present with them. The serpent was lifted up to be a focal point to keep them from drowning in their own despair. This morning, the God who loved the world so much is giving us a focal point once more. As we continue this journey through a pandemic, the God of love has lifted up Jesus Christ as a reminder That our humanity is not the end. God's love overcomes sin. God's love overcomes division. God's love overcomes our brokenness. And through Christ, we are able to experience how deep and wide. The love of God truly is for each of us. We will be reminded of it fully with the good news of Easter. But we don't have to wait. Let us begin this day to lift up our eyes, to focus on Christ, and embrace that grace that is offered for us all to the glory of God, amen.